Well, it's great to be here. It's always great to see everybody's smiling face. Get to hug everybody. For those I didn't get to, here's my big hug. Uh, turn over to Mark chapter 10. Um, power. That's what I have up there is power. Uh, today is election night. Um, but let's say that you got elected to a position of extraordinary power and you were elected to actually have extraordinary power, what is the first thing you would do with that? And I'm not asking for responses. But even as kids, a lot of us wanted to have superpowers. Remember that? When you were growing up, we all had superheroes. We wanted to be like them. I wanted the superpower of, of, of being able to disappear because I thought that would be really, really cool to just watch everything going around and I didn't have to be noticed. But a lot of people, my daughter wanted the superpower of flying. She just wanted to fly everywhere. But if you were elected and you had extraordinary power, what would you do? Well, we're going to pull Jesus into this and see what he taught on this. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 42, Jesus called them to gather all the apostles. And he said, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This must have been startling to the apostles that were following Jesus because Jesus was a man of great power, doing great miracles, and they wanted to be with Jesus, to be with this power. And they had visions of grandeur of what position they were going to play in Jesus' administration. Can I sit on your right? Can I sit on your left? Who is the greatest? I want to be there. Notice me. Hey, I'm doing this. So they were into the power scene. What is Jesus saying? It's the opposite of what you think. Actually, if you want to be great, you've got to be if you want to be first, you've got to be slave. So we all know that the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, common Greek. The Greek word there is doulos, which here's the Greek word there, doulos. I know you're all fluent in Greek. I know that this makes complete sense to you. Yep, I know Kevin recognizes that. I mean, if you're a mathematician, you recognize a lot of it. But for the rest of us that aren't, it just suffices that it's, it's doulos. But doulos is a very interesting word. Jesus is saying that if you want to be great, if you want to be someone, if you want to have power, you've got to become a, a doulos. I'm going to read for you the definition of this because this is a big deal. If we want to be somebody with Jesus, we've got to get this one. This is one that we have to get. Here's the definition. A male or female slave or servant of various degrees, of mean condition, one pledged or bound to serve like a bond servant. One commentary puts it this way. Dulos speaks of submission to one's master. The Dulos had no life of his own, no will of his own, no purpose of his own, and no plan of his own. Wow. All was subject to his master. 
The bond servant's every thought, breath, and effort was subject to the will of his master. In sum, the picture of a bond servant, of a doulos, is one who is absolutely surrendered and totally devoted to his master, to the will of the master. In other words, the will of the doulos is consumed in the will of the master. And so if we want to get close to Jesus, if we want to participate in this administration of Jesus, if we want to be able to be someone with Jesus, we've got to become a consumed in the will of the master. Well, what about my dreams? What about my aspirations? What about what I, what, what, what about, you know, you know, now can we all relate to this feeling? What about, you know, we can all relate, right? Don't, don't leave me up here alone. Well, what, according to Jesus, what you want doesn't count. Because a doulos is totally consumed with what Jesus wants. Because Jesus is Lord. It's not a title. It's a position. It's a life. And so, here's the news. Ready for the news? You have all won the election. Which election? That election I mentioned at the beginning. And what do I win with that election? Amazing power. Really? And what do I get to do with all that power? You get to submit to the Master. You have the power to submit. You have the power to be consumed with the will of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Because quite often we think, I can't do that. I can't submit. I can't deny. I can't. Oh, yeah, you can. If you have the Holy Spirit, you can do anything. You can move a mountain if you have the Holy Spirit. And if you're a disciple that's been baptized into Jesus, you have the power of God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you, giving you the exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You have more power in you than you know what to do with. But what is all this power for? What is all of it for? We've been elected. We've been called. We've been given this great power. What have we been called to do with all this power? To become a doulos. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a doulos. Now turn over to John 13. John 13. A lot of you guys were laughing about it. Really? Ooh, God heard that laugh. But it is exciting. This is exciting news. Elections are always exciting for at least the winning party. That's why I say, guess what? You have all won the election. This is good news. Because you've been called. You've been chosen. You've been picked. You're special. I mean, I think this all the time in my daily prayer time. I've been snatched out of seven billion people in the world. I mean, that should be a little mind-blowing to all of us. Snatched out of the fire, seven billion people. What, what did I do? 
how do I deserve this? It's very humbling. John chapter 13, verse 12. Let's look at Jesus' example of all this power that he had. John chapter 13, verse 12. Because he was elected as the Son of God, God omnipotent, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the mighty servant. John chapter 13, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, so their king was doing what? He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, I asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant, what do you think that Greek word is? No doulos, is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So as a result of this great election, as a result of you being given all the power, what is the first thing you're going to do with all that power that you have? You're going to go wash feet. Isn't that amazing? So the good news is, you've been elected. You've been given the power. What are we going to do with it? Any dirty feet in here? Any dirty feet? Uh, any dirty feet? Anybody? Anybody? One, one with dirty feet. Boy, you're admitting it. You're admitting it. Wow, you are humble. Any, any other dirty feet? Because we got to get a washing. Now, it's true. We're not in the first century. We're not wearing sandals today. Probably we're not wearing sandals and you probably didn't walk in here on a dirt floor or a dirt alley or anything else that's dirt. So chances are your feet probably came out of the shower and probably are, well, we don't want to judge feet. But anyway. <laughs> but if we want to be like Jesus, you know, we got we got to get down and get uncomfortable. And we got to get serving because we got to hear the call. We got to hear the call to serve. We've won the election. Our home is in heaven. Jesus won that. And now we've been called to serve. And let me make it clear. Jesus' church isn't a church with servants. Jesus' church is a church of servants. And that's an important distinction. That makes a big difference in the church because you can't be a Christian and not be a doulos. And a doulos is a slave to the master. A doulos doesn't live his life according to his will, but according to the master's will. And that makes a radical change in your day-to-day decisions. It also makes a radical change of how you walk into the church. Because there are two ways to walk in. You walk in, boy, I hope people meet my needs today. Or you can walk in, boy, I hope I can meet a lot of needs today. And I'm not saying that there aren't days where you walk in discouraged and beaten up by the world and need some help. I'm not not criticizing that. I'm just talking about in general. We need to search our hearts to figure out which one we are. The challenge 
that we face as a church is getting all of us to agree to be servants. That's the challenge. The classic scenario for most churches, us included, the classic scenario is 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. But that's not Jesus' church. That's a group of people that's typical in the United States. You see, Jesus' church can't be a church where 20% are doing 80% of the work. Jesus' church has to be where 100% are doing 100%. Because the church is not a church with servants. The church is a church of servants. And so it means everyone is here to give something. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I mean, I'm not all that. I'm just not. I'm, I'm just, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. You remember 1 Corinthians 12 and what it talks about? It talks about a, a body. And, and what does it say? The, the, the foot can't say to the hand. What does the foot say to the hand? The foot can't say to the hand what? I don't need you. You know, but I, I thought, you know, there are some things that the foot could say to the hand. You know, think about your own body. I mean, the foot could say to the hand, boy, I'm not all that. I can't write like that. I can't pick up things with, like that. I can't carry stuff like that. Man, I, I can't conduct a song like that. I mean, isn't that true? The foot could argue with the hand. I mean, it was the same way. I mean, you know, the hand could argue with the foot and say, wow, I can't carry those loads like that. I can't carry around that big body like that. I can't run like that. I can't chase my kids down like that. I mean, here's the deal. God has made us all unique and needy, but he's also made us unique and giving. That all of us have talents. The hand can't say the foot. The eye can't say to, 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 the, to, the, to the ear. I mean, can you imagine the kind of arguments the eye and ear could have or the heart and lung could have? I mean, your whole body's just going to be a whole mess if, if everything's like that. Here's the deal. Comparisons can be highly destructive. The problem is, is that Satan whispers this stuff into our ear to compare ourselves with one another. Oh, I'm not all that. I'm not like he is. I'm not like she is. Oh, I can't do that. I don't know those talents. I'm not. And so what happens? We just we, we take God's gift and we just belittle it. I mean, what, what are we saying to God when you take his gift and, oh, oh, it's just not that, I'm not that, I'm not this, and it's just nothing. And it's like, so you see yourself as trash? I mean, is this what God made? Are you telling God he made this? Are you kidding me? He di- Jesus dies on a cross for you, and this is your conclusion? Absolutely not. There's not one person in here that God has not given the incredible ability to serve. It's just that some of us don't know what we should serve in. Maybe we've never thought about it. Maybe no one has suggested anything to us. But each part is beautiful. Each part. You are beautiful. Now I want you to tell your neighbor, you are beautiful. Why is there so much laughter? A little, a little hesitancy there. Wow, was that really hard to do? Okay, now here's the deal. 
here's the thing. We are all beautiful. Every part is beautiful. Even your feet are beautiful. Thank you. The Bible says beautiful are the feet that... So if you are bringing good news, your feet are beautiful. I don't care what your wife says or your husband says, they are beautiful. And I don't care what your brother and sister said about your stinky feet. They are beautiful. Because God has made them beautiful. God smiles when all of us serve. When each part serves. When there isn't one part left out. But all of us pitch in and serve. Let's Let's pull Paul into this. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Now, Paul is actually quoting Jesus here. It's one of those rare examples in the New Testament outside of the Gospels and outside of Revelation where there's red letters in a red letter edition. And this is Acts 20 and verse 35. And Paul is actually talking to the Ephesian elders. And this quote isn't even in the Gospels. So this is another unique thing where Jesus is saying something that isn't recorded in the Gospels but is recorded here in the book of Acts. And what is that quote? Paul said, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than receive. But is this true? Yes, this is not a trick question. (laughs) It is more blessed to give than receive. Now, we may not fully understand this, but it's true. The beauty is the more you trust God on this and the more you choose, choose, choose to give, the more blessed you become. It's just the truth. Let's pull Jesus into this. In Matthew six thirty-three, what did Jesus say? See, Jesus saw the trend coming. He saw the tendency we have to meet our own needs. And so what did Jesus say about Matthew 6.33 when we're so worried about our needs and what am I going to wear and what am I going to eat? Which, by the way, Americans, do we ever say that? We have so many clothes, we have to give them away each year to charity. We have so much food, we literally throw away about a third of what we cook gets thrown away. I mean, who are we to say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Unless you're talking about a five-star restaurant or Prada. I don't know. I mean, we, it's just not there. We, we just don't have these complaints. But Jesus said, look, even if that were the case, even if that were, what is Jesus's answer to all of our fears of our own lives? What is his answer in Matthew 6.33? He said, but seek first his kingdom And his righteousness, the kingdom is the rule and reign of God in your life. See, there's no difference between, you know, we say it in the Lord's Prayer. We literally say this. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Those are identical. Those are identical statements. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done are the exact same thing. You're saying the same thing twice. And how? On earth as it is. In other words, you're literally praying to God that you can live here just like heaven when it comes to doing God's will. In other words, that 
that you're doing God's will here in the same way that you would do it in heaven. That's literally what you're praying when you pray the Lord's Prayer. So we're praying it, do we live it? We have the opportunity. This is the good news. This is the good news that you've been elected to serve. You've been called to serve. You have the power to serve because we get to live like heaven. In heaven, everyone's serving everyone. In heaven, you don't worry about moi, Joe. All you think about in heaven is everybody else. But, 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 but how am I going to get fed? How, what, 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 how am I going to make any money? Well, see, this is, are you a Christian? Because if you're a Christian, we don't worry about that stuff, do we? Well, yeah, but, but still, I mean, so what, what are you? No, no, no. Are you a disciple? Yeah, yeah, I'm a disciple. But what? Well, wait, hey, 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 let's just establish that. Because if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, we don't, we don't get into that. Because we trust God. Now, it doesn't mean that you're driving your car and go, okay, I don't have to drive anymore. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I mean, and I've thought this many times in New York traffic. Because, you know, I mean, Jesus, please take the wheel. I'm tired of this. I mean, now, he's, we're not talking about that. We're talking about being responsible. I'm talking about the heart, though, that we have the heart to serve. So, what are we going to do? We have a plan here. There's a plan. We have a plan. And the plan involves... Do we see anybody missing? I know everybody's looking for their own picture. I'm not out there. Well, I'm just hoping there's somebody out there that maybe you can attach to or connect with, somebody. The plan involves everybody... And what the plan, I call the plan, because I'm from Montana, so I call it a, a, well, I'll show you the picture. I call it a barn raising, a spiritual barn raising. And they still do these things in Amish country. What is, this, what is a barn raising? It's, you know, to, to, to build a barn requires an awful lot of people if you're not going to use heavy machinery. So the Amish, who don't believe in using heavy machinery, um, literally have to get everybody together. They, they, can, they prefab as much as they can. And then you literally have to have all these people with ropes and pulleys and, and literally putting the sides up so you can get the rafters on there and get the roof on there. And they literally, I mean, some of these groups can literally put a barn up in a day. They have fast-forward stuff on YouTube where if you, if you do the YouTube thing, you know, they fast-forward a 24-hour period and it's like, it's really impressive. Well, we don't have any kind of physical barns, but what we do have are a lot of needs in the church. And so what we're calling everyone to do is be a part of a spiritual barn raising. You ready for this? This is going to be cool. Because as a, as a part of the merger, we're recognizing we have a lot of needs. And it's, it's really to make this work well. And to really thrive, because that's what we want to do is thrive, it's going to take everybody's effort. Everybody has to get a, a hand or a foot or an elbow or an eye on a pulley and a rope or something. You know, we've got to get everybody in there. Think of all these positions in the church we, we, we see needs in, the children's ministry. 
big needs, youth ministry, the usher team, the communion team, hope, the worship team, sound, video, Spanish translation, contribution count, attendance count, uh, greeting. Ever heard of a greeter? It's kind of fun. Everybody walking, hello, hello, good morning, how are you? It's fun. You know, the greeter team, security team, service teams. I'm going to explain what that is. We have a lot of needs. And I'm hoping that everybody wants to be a part of this. And nobody gets left out. So what we've done in, in, in Westchester is we've set the entire ministry up where everyone is on a service team. We stole this idea. We stole it. We haven't repented. We had permission, so I guess it's not stealing. We borrowed, no, we used, no, we plagiarized, no, we, I don't know, whatever it is. We're using, we copied, thank you. We Xeroxed the plan that they had over in Rockland County. We tweaked it a bit, and it's working really, really well. But we're realizing in the merger, it's not sufficient. We actually have to put together a brand new framework of service teams where everybody in the church is actually on a team. And that's kind of fun, isn't it, that you get to be on a team? It's great to be on a team, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, was, I was, you know, when I was growing up, I was the shortest kid in the class. Um, so when they chose teams, I, I didn't get chosen until the end. I'm okay with it now. I just want to be chosen. So anyway, tonight we're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to pass out a survey, and you can pass it out now if you want. And on the survey, it asks a lot of questions. It's going to take you ten minutes to fill it out. If you're a, speed, if you're a speedy person, it'll take you five. Yes, you will need a pen or a pencil. We might have to share pens or pencils. But I really am hoping all of you will fill it out because we want to know what areas you would like to serve in and if you make no suggestions, we certainly can make suggestions for you, but we'd rather have your opinion before we do that. Does that make sense? Because that way we can enable you to serve in areas that best interest you and areas where you feel like you have a lot of expertise. Because there are a lot of us that have served in some areas so long we could do it with our eyes shut. But another goal is that if all of us are serving, it will really help with that 80-20 to make it 100-100 because we have some servants in the church that have been serving in the same capacity for years and years and years. And so we really want to be able to give them a break. So this is really, really exciting. Every part doing its part for the whole. And who do we think of when we think of serving? We think of Now, before you fill it out, I want you to look at the picture here. So just glance up for a minute at the picture. This will give you inspiration. Inspiration about filling it out.
And remember, Jesus taught it is more blessed to give than receive. So be generous. Now, chances are what we're going to do, we need you to pick at least two things that you're going to do. At least two big things. Because on these rotations, you'll get one rotation where you do nothing. So you'll serve over half the year, but a good portion of the year you won't be serving at all unless you're on something super permanent. And yes, questions. A family group. A Bible talk leader is somebody that's literally putting together a Bible talk and presenting a Bible talk. A family group leader is someone that's like shepherding a larger group, maybe a couple Bible talks or three Bible talks. So it's like a core leader or a trainer, somebody who's training other Bible talk leaders. Uh, One question is about your car. If you don't have a car, obviously don't put that down. But the reason we put that is because quite often we'll have people serving in a capacity which requires a vehicle, and the vehicle they have isn't sufficient for whatever it is that they're doing. So that's why we have that down there. Um, A couple other things that you might question No, if you have any other questions, just raise your hand. I might come around the room and just answer them.